Hello, Lighthouse Church family. Pastor Joel here. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning into another of our sermon podcasts. Hope there's a word for you today. Now, let's jump into your weekly dose of godly teaching for you. And I want to focus in on, on one verse in particular. And um, I want to go over a few things. Uh, and I, I pray that it'll be for your benefit uh, and for application in your life. How many, how many of you like to have a, uh, a bit of information that will help you out to make life easier? How many want that? Okay. I think uh, uh, on YouTube now, they, they call it, uh, I, I believe they call it a hack. A hack. All right. So a life hack or some kind of uh, tip. Uh, to, to make life easier. So I pray that that's the case for you today. So if we could just, uh, I want to read through Isaiah 53 to verse 6 at, at this point. And uh, let's um, recognize uh, just a few things before we start that Isaiah uh, lived around 600 B.C. So he lived around 600 B.C., um, was also around the time of Zephaniah. He, his uh, ministry spanned four different kings. And um, he was there to, to warn. He's one of the, the major prophets, uh, if not the major prophet, especially in the, the, the extent of of the, the volume of what he's written. Uh, his, the book of Isaiah is very unique in that um, it has the same number of chapters as there are books in the Bible. So it has 66 chapters, just like there's 66 books in the Bible. And the interesting thing is that there's a very distinct difference once you finish the first 39 chapters and you go into the, the 40th chapter right through to the end, there's a shift. And the amazing thing is that from chapters 40 to 60, uh, 66, I know if you do the math, uh, you may not include the 40th chapter. You say 66 minus 40 is 26. But if you include... That uh, 40th chapter, it's actually 27 ch chapters. And right in the middle of the New Testament of Isaiah, you have chapter 53. So you have 13 chapters before 53, and you have 13 chapters after 53. And in the middle is this... Um, forbidden chapter by those that are Jews, the rabbis would not want you to read chapter 53. It's a forbidden chapter. Why? Because it seems to be pointing to somebody that the Jews have rejected. And so this chapter is forbidden. So for us, we receive it and we accept it. So Isaiah 53, from verse 1, says, Who has believed our report? Do you believe this? To whom has, has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Is the arm of the Lord being revealed to you? For he shall grow up before him. This he shall grow up before him, the Lord, as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows." Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. This is a verse that I want to focus in on. 
But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This chapter is 600 years before Christ. And Isaiah is saying, there is prophesying of Jesus who would come. We have this prophecy of Jesus being wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities so that we could have peace. The suffering that he went through, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. He was chastised so that we could have peace. And by his stripes, we are healed. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, it's interesting here, the, the suffering that Jesus went through, especially in this verse 5, we, we have two kinds of, of uh, afflictions upon him. What, what are the two kinds of afflictions that was put on him? Sorry? God, I want, actually, let me rephrase. The physical, what was the physical things that he had to suffer or that are mentioned here? Two kinds of suffering physically. Take a look at that verse, verse 5. Okay, so we, I heard somebody say bruised, bruises. He was wounded. Okay, so we have two kinds of physical afflictions here, wounds and bruises. Now, what would you say is the difference between a wound and a bruise? Sorry? Okay, so one, actually both make you bleed. So one is, one is on the surface. So there's, there's a blood, blood that begins to flow on the surface as they're, you're cut. So you'll see blood with a, with a wound. With a bruise, there's, a, there's a, a crushing that's beneath the surface. And so what happens is you, you will get a bruise. Basically, there's been a bleeding on the inside and so you, I had somebody yesterday show me a welt they received from, from a, a puck, a, a heavy hockey puck. And for the most part, a goalie is, is covered in every area. And there's, so there's very little bruising. You might feel the shock of, of a puck, but it doesn't, doesn't harm you. So for whatever reason, because of the way that he was positioned, there was a bruising that took place. And so there was a, a lifting of, of the, the shielding. And so this, this individual received this huge bruise with that blow that hit him. There was no surface blood, but there was a bleeding underneath and it had already turned black. And there was blue around the edge of the black and then there was yellow around the edge of that blue uh, wound or bruise that he, that he had uh, suffered. In this verse, there are two words for things that we do, that we may do, that he was wounded for so that we could have peace. So can t somebody tell me the two words in, in verse 5, if you want to look. Um, in verse 5, there are two different things that we may do that he took upon himself. Can somebody name those two things? 
Okay, so there's transgressions and iniquities. So it's like, okay, those are two different words, two different words. The question is, what do they mean? So I think most of us know at least what one of them means. So who wants to give me the one that you guys may know? Oh, I know what that is. Sorry? So which one is sin? I guess... Okay, so what, so tra there's a mention here that transgression is sin. That's correct. So what kind of, what kind of sin is a transgression? Disobedience to God, okay. It's not a trick question. So, what, what is a person that has transgressed? What, they have disobeyed. There's a transgression of the, of the law. Sin is, is an action that you commit. It's a, it can be a, um, a thought. It can be an attitude, it can be an emotion, but it is something that we have committed. And so that is a transgression. It is, it is sin, it's something that we have done. In fact, uh, we can have sins of commission. We're committing a sin. We can also have sins of omission. Can somebody tell me what the difference between a sin of commission uh, or, or and or omission is. What's the difference between the two? Okay, the answer is one that we confess and the other one we hold inside. Sorry? Okay, so can you give me, give me the other one loud, the other one first and then the one that you gave, the, the sins, sins of omission. So start with the sins of commission. Okay, so commission, a, commission, a sin of commission is something that you do that is a sin. So what is the sin of omission? So a, and a sin of omission is something you should do, but you don't do it, okay? So you get the difference? So one is a sin of commission. You've done it, and you shouldn't do it. The other one is one that you should or you should do, and you don't do it. So can somebody give me an example of a sin of omission? Okay. Yes. Sorry? Okay, so it could be having uh, fellowship with God in, in prayer, communion with God. It's like something we, that's something we should do and we don't do it, all right? So I, that could be a sin of omission. Another, another one, Some, somebody mentioned, sorry? So not, not repenting, we should repent and we don't repent not forgiving so we we should forgive but we don't so these are all examples of sins of omission we're not doing what we should do uh, the assembling together of the saints this is something that we should do and a lot of people say oh I, I, i'm not going to do it i don't feel like it so these are sins of omission all of these things whether they're sins of commission or omission there was a wounds that were put on Jesus' body. Can somebody tell me different wounds that Jesus may have received? Wounds. Okay, so the spear at the, close to the very end. Yeah, sorry? Yeah, the thorns in his, on, on his head. What, what would have caused there to be a bleeding just by the thorns on his head? What did they do? 
So they didn't just shove the, the, the thorns or the crown of thorns on, they beat it onto his head. Now, I don't know about you, if you've ever gone through a bush that has long thorns, been there, you've been there, I, I've been, it's like, oh my goodness, this stuff hurts. I can remember, I, I, I was just cutting off some of my, the rose um, bush, I was trimming it back, and so I'm, I'm reaching in to try to get at some of the branches close to the back, and it's like my arm gets snagged. Like, I, it didn't even pierce my skin, and it's already like, oh my goodness, this hurts. If I, I, I right away, I, I go in and I stop, because if I go any further, it's going to be piercing my skin, and there's going to be a scrape, scratch, bleeding, all right? So they beat the crown of thorns onto his, into his head. The thorns went into his skull. There's no, very little uh, flesh there. Like there was bleeding that took place immediately. What else? Whipped, yeah. Whatever they were, whatever length they were, it was, it was extremely painful and caused wounding. Not, doesn't say that, no. So they, they plucked his beard. So that would have caused bleeding. So pulling out huge chunks of his beard, um, that would have caused bleeding. The nails in his feet and in his hands, yeah. By his stripes. So we're talking, it was mentioned, the whipping. It was a cat of nine tails. So there, there would be a handle that was braided and there would be nine strands of, of leather that would be stringing out. And on the end of the leather, they would have either sharp stones or uh, even bones, but sharp things. And there would be, there would be that flick and then the pull back, so it would come, and depending on where it was, the guy was standing, he could work all the way across his back, around his side to his front, just with one standing, just moving forward a little bit, and he would be able to, to uh, cause major physical damage of wounds, wounds, open wounds. So they would... Uh, they wouldn't do 40, they would do 39 was what they had figured was what a man could take just to the point of, of almost dying. So if they, usually if they went 40 lashes, it would uh, kill the man. They went 39 lashes just to almost kill him. This is what Jesus suffered. He was wounded for our transgressions. But it says here, he was bruised for our iniquities, the blows that, that where he was struck. And so there was a bruising that took place on his body as well for our iniquities. I want to, um, I want to look at this word iniquity because we know we, we've talked about transgression here, but what is iniquity? <clears throat> the words that go along with uh, iniquity uh, are perversity, depravity, are the two main words that go along with iniquity. Now, if you look at the word perversity, It's a deliberate desire to behave in an unreasonable or unacceptable way, which is a very good definition of iniquity. Let me read it again. A deliberate desire to behave in an unreasonable or unacceptable way. So about this iniquity, has, according to perversity or this definition, 
Has sin already taken place? Let me read it again. A deliberate desire to behave in an unreasonable or unacceptable way. Not necessarily has sin taken place yet. Now we know that there are thoughts that we can have that are, even by thinking them, they are sin to us. In this thing, There's, it's not quite sin, but there is a tendency towards doing something that is unreasonable or unacceptable, a tendency toward it. So part of it, when it comes to the uh, definition of depravity, it says the innate corruption of human nature due to original sin, this original sin, where there was a, I guess even before, man was, was Lucifer, there's a thing of pride uh, that, that came, but there was a fall of man between Adam and Eve. There was a fall of man and so there's a depravity, according to the definition, this innate corruption of the human nature that resulted to the fall of even of Adam and Eve. Now, the question is, why would one have iniquity? So the devil tempting Eve, uh, doubt, um, sorry, an inheriting of it according to depravity. Can I have you turn to Exodus chapter 20? And this is interesting, verse 1 to 6, all right? And you'll know right as soon as I start, you'll know exactly what the rest of the chapter is about or a good chunk of it anyways. It says, and God spoke all these words saying, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Can somebody tell me what this chapter is about? <coughs> the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. The moral law. When it comes to most godly Christian nations, or any nation that would go around the Ten Commandments and that would be their basis of their, their law, if you would, you will find that there is uh, there's a blessing to that in that land. And it's not just by the, by the country, but it would definitely be by the individual. If we heed or follow these things, these are, these are good laws. Unfortunately, we all have broken probably every single one of them. So we have sinned. We have transgressed. We're sinners. But I just want to read. I want to read a few verses here going on to verse 3 and 4. You tell me then where, where iniquity comes from. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments." Where, where is iniquity? What's happening here? For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. 
for one generation that says, hey, I hate God, and there's something that's passed on to the next three to four generations. Iniquity. You have one generation saying, I hate God, I don't want anything to do with God, and that, that because of that hatred towards God, there's an iniquity that passes to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Okay. We're talking not necessarily sin here. We're talking a tendency towards something, a depravity, a perversity that takes place. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know. I know of my grandfather and grandmother on my dad's side and on my mom's side. I know more. But I don't know my great-grandfather on either side. I don't know my great-grandmother on either side. And there would have been a, a splitting off, going back. And it's like, there's stuff coming on me. There's tendencies that are coming on me to the third and fourth generations. So I was speaking to an individual today. There was a recognition in their life. They, they could almost pinpoint not just the generation, but the individual. And there was so much passed on from that individual to the next generation, to, to the sons, and on to the next son, or the set of sons. And we're talking tendencies that, that, that are very specific. They're saying, hey, it's been passed down from one generation to the next. Well, somebody say, hey, come on, Pastor, that's not fair. I'll tell you right now, it's amazing. You, you've heard the phrase, a chip off the old block. It's a chip off the old block. So, so some of the things that were handed down from, not just from the father, but also from the mother, perhaps, is handed on. It's like, oh, my goodness. Now, I want to I say, I wanna, today is about victory over my flesh, my flesh that desires certain things, the flesh truly that wants things that are contrary to the spirit. So dealing with iniquities. If we can turn to Leviticus chapter 16 from verse 5. This is all about the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement happened one day, and happens in the Jewish calendar. They still have the Day of Atonement every, every year. And it's usually around in September. And uh, don't quote me on it. I think it's the, the seventh month, the tenth day. So I want to say it's the seventh month of the Jewish calendar. Their calendar starts basically uh, in, the, in the month of the Passover is the first month for their Jewish calendar. The, the and so this is the seventh month, the tenth day, I believe, is the Day of Atonement. So from verse 5, if I could read, Leviticus 16, verse 5. And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goat, of goats as a sin offering, and one ram as a burnt offering. So these two kids are offspring of a goat, all right? And Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So there's these two goats. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell offer and offer it as a sin offering. So the one that is for the Lord's or the, the, as the lots were cast to decide which one would be 
the, the sin offering. So if, it, if the one, Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell, they, offer, they offered as a sin offering. But the goat on which the, lo, the lot fell, to be the scapegoat, shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scape, scapegoat into the wilderness. All right. So one is, one is killed and one is sent off into the wilderness. So let's see what they do with the one that's sent off into the wilderness. All right. So just moving on to uh, verse 20, Leviticus 16, verse 20. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. So there's this sin offering is made for the atonement of the tabernacle uh, and the things of the tabernacle, that there's a, an atoning, that there'd be nothing of sin in the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and the holy place. Now, with the one that is the live goat, that is the scapegoat, listen to what is done. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. So there's this confessing of the iniquities on to this goat, this live goat, and the goat is sent off into the, the wilderness, the uninhabited land. Interesting. It's interesting. Now listen. I want to go back to Isaiah 53. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Now, I'm, once again, the iniquities are the tendencies that we may have. We say, where, where does this come from? Kids, with your parents, you look back and you say, there's certain traits that I have that are of my mom and my dad. And it's like, ah, they're not good. I have the same trait. I'm not talking physical traits. I'm talking tendencies to do a certain thing. You say, oh, man, that's it's like, what, did I learn that off my mom or dad? Or that it was learned from my, from my grandparents or my great-grandparents? He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Okay. It's an interesting phrase here. And we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The tendencies that we have. We stray off and we go off and we have these, these tendencies that we have. We go our own way. Then it says... The next line in verse 6, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. There's a, a repeating of, hey, listen, I've taken care of your iniquities. Hey, I've taken care of your iniquities. So we have no issue in confessing our sins. In 1 John 1 verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But do you know that the things of, that, that plague you, oftentimes you're not even sin yet, but there's a tendency towards someone's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And there's this tendency. And so there's this fight against the things you don't want to do. And you know that they're not right. They're not good. So I want to help you today. What do you do? I, wa I want you to know tonight that Jesus is there for our transgressions, and we, we know all of that. 
but he's also there for your iniquities. And so there needs to be confession, just like they put both hands, Aaron put both hands on this scapegoat, and there was a confessing of the iniquities of the people. And so this is something that we can do for ourselves. The tendencies we have, we just say, I'm not sure where this came from, and I don't like it. And, and we say, well, what do I do? And so we try to do, deal with it on our own. And so we deal with it with discipline, and we deal with it with, well, maybe if I do a little more good works, I'll outweigh my bad works or my, these, these tendencies, these desires that I have that I know that aren't right. Can I just say, just quickly, a few things that will help you. First of all, recognize that the iniquities that I may have are a result of those that came before me. They may have come from those and passed down because they did not serve God. They weren't serving God. Even some of these things may, may come as a desire to live life apart from God. So I, I recognize, okay, I, have, I do have tendencies that I don't like. So that's the first thing. Recognize that you may have iniquities. I think all of us have iniquities, not just transgressions where we've committed sin or, or admitted to do things we shouldn't do or should do. We've admitted to do them. But we recognize, I have iniquities too. And the Lord is saying, but I want to take care of them. I am also your scapegoat. I'm not just the one that is your sin offering that died for you, <coughs> but the bruises that were on me, the bruises that I suffered going to the cross is to help you with your iniquities. So confess any tendencies of depravity or perversity, those tendencies that would say, I want to do things that, that, that are inappropriate. A deliberate desire to behave in an unreasonable or unacceptable way. To confess those to the Lord, to put them Place those tendencies, those perversities, those iniquities on the Lord. Confess them and place them on the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, just like you're, you were wounded for my transgressions, I am telling you the tendencies that I have. Not sure where they came from. It really doesn't matter where they came from. They're, they're there, right? So I'm going to place them on Jesus Christ. I confess and I place them on Jesus Christ. The next thing that you can do is make Jesus not just your, sa your Savior from your sins, but make Jesus Lord in your life. Submit to him. It says in Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The fact that we would say, Jesus, I want, I'm making you Lord in my life. I make you Lord in my life. Not my will, your will be done. So, There's a part of us that, that needs to be put down. Let me read Ephesians 4, 17 to 24, and I think I'm going to read Luke 9. It says here, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. He says, you should no longer walk that way. Don't walk that way in the futility of your mind, thinking, well, I, I can do, I can figure this out. I, I'm, I'm strong enough. I, I'm determined enough. 
If only you knew how bad my life really was and the cross that I have to bear. That's not what this is saying. Listen to what the second part of the, of the word cross means. To take up his cross daily means to take up the crucifixion which Christ underwent. Let me read again. To take up the, your cross daily is to take up the crucifixion which Christ underwent. I take that up daily. That's why Paul says, and you hear me quote this scripture often about being crucified with Christ. Let me just read a few verses before it. This is Galatians 2, 16. It says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So you are not made right. You're not justified by the works of the law, by keeping the law, the Ten Commandments, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ. That we might be justified, there it is again, by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. You cannot make it by keeping the law because eventually you will break the law. And we've all broken the law already, many times over. So we can't get it, get in, or make it by keeping the law. We're not justified. Justified is to be put into, the, into a just position before God. To be right before God is to be justified. It does not come by keeping the works of the law. It is by faith in Christ Jesus and Jesus Christ. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners and we sin while we're trying to be justified by Christ. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Is it because of him? Paul answers, certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, in other words, I'm not going to go by the law, I'm going to go by faith, and I build back the things of keeping, trying to keep and be a good person, and I, I just say, well, I, I'm a good, I know I'm in right standing because I'm a good person because I do the right things. Well, I just built the law back up. I'm going back to the law. For if I build again those things which I destroy, you say, no, I'm putting away the law. I'm going to, I'm going to go by faith. I myself, if I build up again and I go, I'm going back to the law, I'm going to try to be a good person, I make myself a transgressor. Because eventually we fail. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. So because of the law, I recognized, oh my, my goodness, I've sinned. And so I died to the law and say, I can't, I can't even try to keep the law. As much as I try to keep the law, I can't. So I, 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 I can't live that way. So I, I died to the law that I might live to God. Now, he, so he explains further now. I have been crucified with Christ. I take up the cross daily. I identify, let me just say again, the cross is about the crucifixion which Christ underwent. So I take up that Jesus, my faith is in what you underwent, and I take it up daily. I have been crucified with Christ. That's what it means to be crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's true. As a believer, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in this flesh, in this body, I don't live by keeping the law. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And the greatest demonstration of love was when he hung on the cross for you and me and took all our sins upon himself and even our iniquities. He is both. Both of those two goats. The, the sin offering and also the, the, for the iniquities, for the transgressions and also for the iniquities. He became both. Confess your iniquity to him. And 
he's saying, I want to take care of it. My faith, I live in this body, in this flesh, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The very next verse expands on this notion of faith. I do not set aside the grace of God. The grace is the favor of God. I don't want to set that aside. For if righteousness comes through the law, if I get my righteousness through the law, then Christ died in vain for nothing. And we put him in that place if we say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I can live in my own strength and righteousness. And so what happens is, Jesus, Jesus, you know what? Your death on the cross was nothing. It was in vain because you know why? I can keep the law. I can keep, I can, when it comes to transgressions, I'm good enough. My righteousness is good enough. When it comes to the tendencies that we have that is in part of our flesh, it's like, hey, I'm able to overcome. I just got to try harder. Just got to try harder. And you find you can't do it. I need to be crucified with Christ daily. Daily. So. Let me just go to this last point. So part of the third point is, is Lord, I'm, I'm giving myself to you. A living sacrifice. I'm crucified with you, Christ, by faith daily. Daily. And we'll get part, I'll just finish off with this daily part in a moment. But before I do, I want you to recognize what God has for you. The things that God has for you. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, he was raised from the dead, the one that watches over the sheep. That's me, man. Man, you know, we might say, for me, oh, I'm, I'm a tough guy. I can handle things. I recognize, man, I'm just one dumb sheep. <laughs> just a, a real doofus, right? So that's what we are. Sheep are not all that bright. It's like, we're not that bright. We're not that smart. But we have a great shepherd of the sheep that watches over Dave, who may not be all that bright. Man, all I have to do is follow Jesus, deny myself, take up the cross daily, let the old man, the old nature be crucified daily, and follow Jesus. That's all I have to do. I don't need to have everything figured out. I just have to follow Jesus. Jesus... I'm going to follow you. Let your will be done in, in my life. And, and how do I know that he loves me? It's through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Covenant is another word for testament. Another word for will. Will and testament of an individual. When does a will come into effect? When the, when the testator, the one that made the testament, dies. That's what happened with Jesus. He died, and so, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, his will for our life is already available to us because he's already died for us. It's like, oh, man, I want his will. I want his will done in my life. And this is what he's saying will be done. Because of who he is and what he did for us, and through the blood of the everlasting covenant, the promise, the testament of God Almighty to each one, and one of us, the everlasting covenant, here it is, to make you complete in every good work to do His will. Just want, I want you to know His will in Romans 12, 2. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God to make you complete in every 
good action, every good, every step you take to do his will, his good and acceptable and perfect will for you, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, how? Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory, all glory, forever and ever, amen. And here by the Holy Spirit, this amen is by the Holy Spirit is saying, let it be. I want this to be the reality of your life. Say, yes, Lord, I want your will done in my life. Let me read again. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself his own righteous endeavors. No, it's not enough. As good as you and I can try to be, it is never enough. It will never be enough. So, Lord, I deny myself my righteousness. I take up your cross daily. I just remember what you did for me on the cross daily, and I'm going to follow you. I don't need to know all the details, and I know that's so hard for some of us. I just need, I need to know, Lord, what's going to happen? I need to know the details. Follow me. I'm not going to lead you over a cliff. I'm going to lead you for that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God being done in you. And I'm going to be there. It's through me that that will will be accomplished. So I say, Lord, absolutely, I'm, I'm in on this too. Let it be. Take up his cross daily and follow me. I'm going to follow him. I want to end with this final verse that has been so, such a blessing to me this year. Malachi chapter 1, verse 11. This has been huge to me this year. It's like, oh, I love this verse. Because the rest of the chapter is like so, God is talking about things that should not be. But right in the middle of what should not be is what should be. It says, for from the rising of the sun, from the rising of the sun, even to its going down. My name shall be great among the Gentiles. My name shall be great among the Gentiles. His name, if you read that whole chapter and into chapter 2, Malachi 1 and 2, has to, everything to do with his sacrifice as well. They go hand in hand together. So now from the rising of the sun, even to its going down. So when I wake up in the morning... I'm declaring, Jesus Christ, your name and your finished work over me, over Julie, over my daughters, their husband, their husbands, our granddaughter, my mother, my brothers, their families, their wives and their children, their families, over my brothers and sisters in the Lord, see you and your families, and whether they're saved or not, I speak Jesus' name and his finished work over you, over the body of Christ in this city and in this region, and even over the unbelievers that the Lord has placed us amongst. I speak the name of Jesus and his finished work over every single one of them, that they would have opportunity to know Jesus Christ the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that his name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. So I make his name great when I wake up, when I go to bed. When I wake up, it covers me when I'm awake, through everything that I go through, and trust me, today was, it was like, oh my goodness. I just thought, okay, I think I, I'm ready to start, and then something else comes up. Well, I think I'm ready to, to get going, and oh, something else comes up, and something else. It's just, it was continual from 6 o'clock this morning. Just one thing after another, it's still not over. It was like, 
Lord, I don't even I don't even know the word that I'm supposed to be speaking tonight. I don't know. For you to have victory today, declaring Jesus daily when you get up and you go to bed to cover you through the night, that when you go to bed, there's a rest and a refreshing in the Lord, even as you're sleeping. I say, thank you, Lord. Let it be in my life. Let it be in my life and all those I speak the name of Jesus. Let his name be great in my life. And the Lord will do a work that is so far beyond you. And that's what I see that is happening even at the, since the beginning of this year. As this, the word came from last year, I didn't even know the depth of declaring Jesus. To declare Jesus. I'm declaring Jesus, hallelujah, and there's victory over my flesh. The old man, every morning, is crucified. Just in the declaration of Jesus' name and what he did for me, the old man is crucified because that's my declaration. I'm crucified with Christ. Old man is down. Don't let the old man get back up. No, no, keep your faith in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross daily. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can you guys receive this word tonight? Hey, not just for our transgressions, for the tendencies we have for iniquities. Jesus took care of both of them. He is both goats, the scapegoat and the sacrificial goat, the one that died. He's taking care of all of it for you. I say, thank you, Jesus. Make a declaration of faith in him every single day. Make his name great and what he did for you. Hallelujah. Lord, I just thank you. Things of the old man, the old nature, the things of the flesh, crucified daily. This flesh that is contrary to the spirit, crucified daily. Lord, even as we go to bed, crucified, I go through the night with my, the old man crucified. I wake up in the morning and the, the old man wants to get up too. No, no, no. My, I am crucified with Christ. I speak Jesus' name and what he did over my life today. And the old man is down for the count again. I go through a day in victory over my flesh, over temptation, over the enemy of my soul, there's, there's an overcoming. And I just thank you, Jesus, for the riches of who you are to us, the blessing of who you are to us. You are our victory. It's in you and through you that we have victory. And I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for those here tonight. I pray that every single one would recognize the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. So simple. Lord, that they would not allow the enemy to distract them to something else. The simplicity that is in Christ. Simply. Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. That's it. That's my declaration. Lord, I have the victory. Every single day. I have victory in the battle. I have victory when the battle is over. I am still standing strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, in the wisdom of who he is. His wisdom to me, his power to my life. I say thank you, Lord. I pray, I pray this victory over each and every one. Those that are listening online, Lord, I just pray, if there's anyone, man, they've, they've had their faith in themselves or something else, some religion, Lord, or even as a, as a Christian, they would say, yeah, you know, I was trying so hard and I couldn't do it. I'm going to place my faith in the one that died for me to take care of not just my transgressions, but my iniquity as well.
the tendencies that I have. Jesus will take care of every single one of them. That I don't give in to the, these tendencies that I have. They're done. They're, they're, they're crucified with Christ. So Lord, I pray this for those that are maybe listening online, that there would be a giving of themselves completely over to you, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that was slain, so we can have victory in his death. He overcame the things of the flesh. He overcame the things of this world. He overcame the things of the enemy, and he made a show of them public, publicly, triumphing over them in his death. And he rose from the dead, victorious. And Lord, we rise and are victorious in Jesus Christ. And I pray for that for, for those that are listening online even now. Lord, that they, they would have victory in you, that we would have victory in you. In Jesus' name I pray. I just thank you and I praise you. You're an amazing God. Bless each and every one. Amen. Pastor Joel here. Thanks again for tuning into this sermon podcast. Just a reminder to come join us 10 a.m. Sundays, either in person or live streamed at lighthouseniagara.com. God bless and have a great day.